You are now listening to The Last Day's Return of the Historic Faith with your host, Pastor Jeremy Anderson and Brother Matthew Marcel. This podcast is for the kingdom Christian in the end times. As aliens in a foreign land and ambassadors of our king, we proudly fly the flag with the cross as we sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. On Telstar 5 Transponder 5 and on the internet at realityradionetwork.com. September, and we're going to do a special two-hour broadcast with my very special guest, Tom Horn, that will be played the coming Mondays. Now, if you're listening to this in real time, you will get part one tonight, and then a week from tonight, you'll get part two. Tom Horn and I are going to talk about the fallen angel agenda, the alien agenda, the great deception, and where we're at in this whole thing, because daily, the revelations coming forth are preparing the earth for the onslaught 
of the aliens who are going to be billed as our Redeemer is getting more and more prevalent. We'll go immediately to my very special guest, Tom Horn. Hi, Tom. Hi, Steve. Great to be back on your show again. Well, I've never been more excited about a series of interviews, Tom, than the ones we've done. This will be hours four and five, and I'm going to encourage everybody that listens to this series across the world. As you know, this goes not only shortwave, but these things get downloaded and sent out to absolutely keep these for future reference. Because we're going to start out, Tom, tonight with your comments, your, in essence, your final comments to this series on UFOs and the deception, because you posted on your website, Raiders News, the whole uh, now the scientists, after decades of denial, they're saying E.T. is on our doorstep, the Catholic Church. The bottom line, take it from there, and then we're going to go through and lay this out, because, again, I don't believe, based on where we're at in the prophetic timeline of the living God, that there's a more important subject, because this is the great deception. Well, and we must be really striking a nerve, Steve, because I have to tell you, I, I'm not sure that I've ever received uh, more email and more feedback from people who seem to be hungry for the truth, which is actually a very positive and inspirational sign uh, that, that, you know, people are out there and they want answers. And unfortunately, you know, I was a pastor for 25 years. Unfortunately, the the, the churches, for the most part, are not providing any of these answers. People are hungry for it. And so, you know, here we are. You and I are doing this, and, and I've found it to be extraordinary this week uh, how much response I've been given. And I'm, I imagine you're probably receiving the same kind of emails. Absolutely. I'm getting emails and phone calls saying, please, please finish up, because we want to know, we have to know. And I think, Tom, you touched on something. For so many years, the church has been, I would say, goody two-shoes or basically maybe illiterate and non-functional in the sense that the classic pastors would never feel comfortable in dealing with these issues. And therefore, so many Christians have gone every place. They've run to and fro trying to get the knowledge. And in the infinite mercy of the living God, in his precious time frame and time reference now, God is preparing the people of earth. You know, he said his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So basically, by the presence of this knowledge, I'm just really believing, Tom, that God's going to take this interview and give multiplied Understanding, wisdom, knowledge, and also deliverance from the times ahead. And when we get to the end of the, uh, you know, these, this two hours, we'll talk about what people need to do and what they can expect. But let's talk about now your take on the comments on the UFOs and deception, because even on your website, things have accelerated where you don't have to go looking for material. It just basically is there now on a feverish pitch. Yeah, you know, we, we started out this series talking about the CERN Large Hadron Super Collider. And you and I both had made note with interest that the God of Destruction, Lord Shiva, is hallowed there during, you know, doing the um, the uh, Nataraja dance of destruction and then reconstruction into something new. And you and I both had agreed that that collider uh, would not destroy the world with these, you know, globe gobbling black holes, but that something in fact might happen, that it might open a doorway. Uh, the discovery of other dimensions. The, you know, do you remember um, in my book, I'm not plugging my book, by the way, but do you remember in my book, The Aramon Gate, where the scientists are doing something almost like this CERN Stargate technology when something opens, and they're looking through this opening, and, and far beyond this opening, they see uh, an armada of something that I'm not sure what it is at first, but of course it turns out to be what we think of today as UFOs and this 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 you know this technology right now 
Uh, even our physicists are telling us that they want to peer into these other dimensions. And in the esoteric realm, you and I started to talk about the other day, how that possibly this could be an invitation, if you will, for uh, matter-manipulating unknowns to come through this Stargate into our reality. i got to share this with you, Tom. Based on the information that's out there, there's been an incident at the Hadron Super Collider 2 where, and I'll tell you point blank what my understanding of it is, is some people that are more than uh, responsible for trying to keep the gate shut have interfered with that. I don't know if you saw that story, but they're admitting that uh, they had an issue that's going wrong. And I can say this, if the people who are involved in that and trying to keep it closed are, uh, if you will, people appointed by the living God to keep it closed till the last minute, we then are in the last minutes of time. And needless to say, they will succeed. And you and I are both on record saying this is not the end of the world. This is basically the portal to that which God had bound to a specific area of his creation that's soon to come upon the earth to basically uh, wreak havoc and slaughter like no time in history. And that's what we've got to get through to these people. This isn't just Tom and Steve having a fireside chat for something to entertain. This is absolutely a warning and, if you will, a, a pleading for people to get right with the living God because he's the only protection they will have when this stuff gets unleashed. No, no that's exactly right. You and I were right so far that the world didn't end last week, although the, the, the full-scale uh, experiments, the particle collisions, haven't even really been done to full-scale yet. I don't know if most people know that. I, I saw where they said they were drinking champagne and celebrating that it didn't create the destruction of the Earth, but they really haven't done too much of anything yet. And I have to say, it's a bit unnerving, and this might have something to do with part of what you're talking about, that within hours of the first startup of the collider, you know, they, they have a 30 ton transformer there, uh, and this thing is used to power their cooling system, and you know, it failed, it went down, uh, right after they started it up, it went down, and that thing's supposed to keep it, I think, at 271 degrees Celsius, and it went down, which has to be concerning when you realize that this machine has not been turned on full steam yet, and when it is, people need to know, the physicists are saying it's going to generate the kind of heat energy and density that existed a trillionth of a second after the so-called Big Bang. What that means in layman's terms is that it is going to be 100,000 times hotter than the center of our sun. <laughs> so the idea that just a simple power outage <laughs> can turn off the cooling system to this Stargate. I mean, this is not very reassuring at all. So much for their fail-safe. I would say this, too. I would say that, and, and I want to share this, Tom. There's a reason I'm saying this. So if it seems obscure, there's a real reason. There are men and women who are basically the sons of Enoch in the sense of the classic word of, as you know, you and I are both uh, students of the book of Enoch. Right. And you'll share some stuff. But uh, through the ages, there have been people raised up by the living God to deal with this. Obviously, we know the archangels, Michael, uh, Gabriel. We know Raphael from the other writings, etc. But there are men and women who are dedicated. And just as uh, the these uh, minor issues, see, that's what you and I are talking about. Uh, the people I'm talking about, the very mighty men and women of valor and the sons of Enoch who have made sure that this thing doesn't go online, uh, they're, they're being uh, terminated. There's literally uh, a supernatural plot to kill the people. Now, this sounds like something that you and I should be writing another book about, but given the fact that these men who believe their God, and you and I talked about the dance of Shiva, uh -huh. don't you find it fascinating that they worship death? 
You and I have talked about that in some of our very first uh, interviews we ever did about uh, the Lord God of heaven gives us the book of life and the ancients give us the book of the dead. I got news for you. I'm going to take Jesus' advice. I'm going to choose right. life. All right. But going on, now let's get into this, okay? Right. These, guys, these guys really think they have it nailed, and you're talking about 100,000 times the temperature of the surface of the sun. If a little problem like this uh, can bring about a major uh, result, what can a big problem bring about? Well, that's right, and you know, even part of the prophecy uh, of the apocalypse has to do with, with, with people um, trying to get away from the heat, Trying, you know, that, that 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 they curse God because of the heat that is coming upon them. So, people need to be very careful. But I know we need to move forward. I know we have a lot of ground. Um, you might have also seen over Raiders News Network today the lead story over there having to do with DARPA yeah. and their interest in manipulating wormhole energy. And uh, and this is directly connected, I think, at least in part to what's happening at, uh, at CERN. But this this article has to do with the Kessimer effect, and I, w- I want to ask you in a minute if you've done shows on this before. But this, this, uh, DARPA believes that this Kessimer effect can be used to produce, um, I think the article called it a local mass negative region. Anyway, it means a spice. It means a space time. Um, differential, if you will, a phenomenon that, that theoretically could be used to maybe stabilize a wormhole in order to allow them to um, move faster than light in space travel. Now, 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 folks, this is not sci-fi. DARPA is funding this research. This is a U.S. government using your tax dollars to fund this research. And for people who are not a Steve Quayle or a Stan Deo, I mean, the... The Casimir force, as I understand it, and I want you to, to correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, I mean, it's just, there's an interaction between objects. You know, um, the, the kind of physics that we studied when we were in school essentially said that there is, that the void in between objects where there is no mass is absence of all matter and energy. But what the Casimir effect found was that that's not true. And in the study of quantum physics, uh, they have found that there are these properties inside this so-called void, this empty space between uh, um, any, any two objects, if you will, where atoms are, uh, 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 are particles are moving backward and forward, and it creates this um, intrinsic energy density. And by the way, it's also known as zero-point energy. And you might have heard, you know, of, of um, ufologists and physicists speculating that this might be the energy that's being used by UFOs to travel far distances because this would be a fuel. Uh, Zero-point energy would be a fuel that exists, you know, wherever you would be in the universe. So you don't have to refuel. You don't have to tank up. You just have to have a technology that can rob or borrow the energy from between, um, you know, uh, any two different objects. So... um uh, have you done shows on that before, by the way, Steve? Stan and I talked a bit on it, touched on it when Stan was on to explain electrogravitics and basically how, which you're talking about, that energy between uh, objects, actually between differentials of different power sources and different areas of mass. I mean, that's basically, again, they're looking for the God particle, and you're talking about uh, ultimately tapping into the force of cohesiveness right. and using it as an energy source. So, oh, that's that's exactly right. And what, in fact, what's really interesting is that even the physicists descri- describe it as spooky quantum particles. <laughs> just, right. You know, just energy that is appearing into and disappearing out of our universe 
Um, we don't really understand anything about it other than we can measure it, but it does create energy that could be harvested, um, and, uh, and it's in this void, the Casimir force, the zero-point energy. Anyway, some people believe that, that this alien armada uh, issue that you and I um, were talking about in this series, um, that, uh, and, and that we believe could soon appear, uh, above Earth atmosphere or above our cities and be part of a great deception that these ships might be, uh, being propelled by manipulating this Casimir force. And the interesting thing is that as we see so many other parts of our sciences now starting to repeat what the watchers did, human animal chimeras, things like that, we can talk about some more later if you want to, but as we're repeating all these different technologies that seem to have already been recorded in our ancient past as some as forbidden technology that was used and that unleashed upon earth a demonic presence that ultimately resulted in the judgment of God that not only are we not only are we talking about human animal chimeras that sort of thing but now DARPA is interested and I'm not saying by the way that that harvesting this customer force is demonic. I'm just saying that it's astonishing to me that, you know, they may even be actually looking for help. You know, DARPA hires a lot of outsourced help to help them solve problems, and a lot of people have been suspect for some time that it might be for the purposes of re- uh, reverse engineering something that they already have in possession, and they're using U.S. tax dollars to harvest out some of this research to, you know, to some of these independently funded uh, projects where they get outside of the bureaucracy and also outside of the oversight of the U.S. Congress to get some of these small issues solved, and then they bring it back in-house to kind of take them to the next step in the reverse engineering of, uh, you know, maybe what they have in possession. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely, and I can tell you this from uh, all of my briefings from different people throughout the world, the thing that is the most sought after, you're going to love this, Tom, and the most fought after, sought after and fought after, and I mean with people absolutely not wasting any money or weapon systems on each other, is the technology of the ancients and also the usage of the ancients. You know, it's interesting because most people don't understand that in some of the ancient Indian Vedic tests, they're talking about weapons that can be described in no other terms outside of plasma-based weapons. They're talking about uh, uh, light brighter than 10,000 suns. We've talked about the vitrified or the glassified desert sands, and yet it's fascinating that God in his mercy has kept uh, those weapons suppressed until the time of the end. And that's the thing that is most astonishing to me, as you and I are talking about this, when we're talking about stargates and Casimir effects and inner particle or subatomic particle attraction or deflection, We've got people out there that are playing with uh, things that, that, how should I say this, destroyed previous civilizations. And that's not an idle boast on my part or an idle statement. No, in fact, uh, did you see those news stories where as soon as the uh, CERN uh, Hydron uh, Super Collider was turned on, people started recording UFOs in the skies above their countries? Yep. Yeah. Not, not to mention the coincidental earthquakes. Coincident, that's exactly right. Well, so it's possible that that we're talking about a forbidden technology. It's also possible that we're talking about some of what's happening in DARPA, that they have an interest in reverse engineering some of this technology, um, UFOs, 
and so on. I was talking to Bill Salas. I wanted to make this point to you, and then I know we need, we have to move past this subject of UFOs because we've we've covered it quite a bit in in, in the last part of this series, in the last two or three parts of the series. But Bill Salas, he's he's one of the authors that we publish. He's got a new, uh, actually a best-selling book. It came out July one. It's already a bestseller. It's called um, Israelistine, the Ancient Blueprints of the Future Middle East. And uh, but he was emailing me about this series that you and I are doing. Evidently, listened to it, and um, and but he emailed me about um, you know this question about how Satan may use the sudden arrival of an alien UFO armada in order to frighten the world into a one-world order, and also how that that could be used to introduce the Antichrist. Right. Um, because the Bible says that the Antichrist is going to be accompanied by lying signs and wonders and so on. And Bill pointed out something that I hadn't thought about before, how that the Second Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, text that we often use in describing how the Antichrist is going to be accompanied by these sign wonders, he, he pointed out to me how that there might be something even more than what is superficially perceived that's actually encoded in that text concerning UFOs. So uh, let me just read this text really fast, Second Thessalonians. Uh, chapter 2, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause... God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. In quote, Second Thessalonians two eight through twelve. That that encapsulates so far what you and I have been talking about in this series. Well, well this prophecy, uh, uh, Bill pointed out, states that the Antichrist rise to power is accompanied by one the sending of two strong delusion. And three, which deceives many and causes them to believe in the lie, as the Bible calls it. And here was the point that he made. He said, Tom, if you read down the words of this sending and strong delusion and deception, in the Greek definition, what you find are tempo, plane, and energia. And he said this passage could easily be translated tempo to dispatch in an orderly motion. Now, these are the meanings of the words. To dispatch in an orderly motion plain, a deceitful wandering or movement, and energia, an operative power. And and what Bill, uh, I think, rightly points out about this is it actually sounds like a message that has UFOs written all over it. I mean, a deceitful oper- operative wandering, powerfully displa- dispatched in an orderly motion that brings about deception. In other words, it's a it's a, it, it's a well-ordered, rank-and-file, razzle-dazzle spectacle, if you will, that will cause many to believe a lie. Well, when 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 Bill sent that to me, it it rang a bell in my mind, um, and uh, and I first of all, first I went just to Strong's, which I, I do that quite often because I realize that most people have a Strong's concordance and they can relate to it, and I looked up these words. And I found that tempo is just a primary verb, but it does mean to dispatch, and especially on a temporary errand, which was interesting. Uh, but it can also mean to send or thrust in. 
Plano means a deceptive wandering, as in a motion in the air, and energia simply means exertion, as in propulsion. Right, that's the name of the Russian uh, uh, space complex, I believe, is energia. They actually named one of their rockets that? Mm-hmm. Interesting, huh? Well, it's very interesting. So, you know, um, are we talking about UFOs, and is this the Casimir force, the zero-point energy? Um, is this is this energy? Is this the zero-point energy? I don't know. But but after he pointed this out, uh, it, I, I became curious about something that I had never checked before. And I went and I checked, you know, where Jesus says in Matthew 24, 5, to be careful. And he's talking about the last days. He's predicting the last days and the false Christ and all that. And he says, but to be careful not to let anybody to deceive you. Remember that? Yep. And I found the Greek word there, deceive, and I went and looked it up. And it's planes, from which we make our English word planet. And it also means a wandering object. So I just thought, you know, I, there, to me... That was extraordinary, that that the inspiration of the Scripture would, in both of these cases, use language that seems to indicate wandering objects that bring about deception. These are celestial objects, and, and, and that both Jesus and these other texts, Paul and Thessalonians, is warning that there's going to come this time, where, which you and I are, this is what we've been talking about, this great... Alien deception is going to be part of this, that, that this is going to come uh, in the air. Now, you know, we, we've been talking already right now, 30 minutes. I know we gotta, we, gotta, we have to keep moving. Um, in addition to this sudden arrival of UFOs, as, you know, we've been talking about in this series, as being part of a great deception that is going to panic the world, and that is going to cause people around the world to suddenly be looking for answers, suddenly looking to their government. And I think they'll almost look to their government more than they will their own pastors. They're going to want answers, and they're going to want um, something that will calm their nerves or somebody who will calm their nerves and tell them everything's going to be okay. Isn't that what the Catholic Church is doing right now, in your opinion? Well, you know what's extraordinary to me about this? press release that came out this week is that they rejected uh, creationism. Right. They, they rejected what we typically would think of as the biblical approach to uh, a description about the creation of the earth, the cosmos, humanity, and so on. Uh, but they're going to hold a whole conference on you know, how there's there probably may not be a conflict between Catholicism and the teachings of the church and the doc, uh, and the teaching of Darwinism, evolution. So, we're, Steve, we are living in an extraordinary moment. Right. They've accepted. They've settled for King Kong, Tom, rather than <laughs> King Jesus. No king but Jesus, not Kong. And I mean that. Uh, you know, the, the idea is, and here's what I saw. When you post that on your website, now I'm in high gear, okay? Now you got me going. The bottom line is, is when I saw that, Immediately, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart. This is a preconditioning, Steve. This is absolutely the preconditioning of the Catholic Church. We can, you know, how many Catholics are in the world to be basically, not all Catholics will believe this, by the way. Right, that's but, right. But actually, probably more Protestants will swallow it. But the bottom line is, is this is a preconditioning. So, Tom, the very thing that you're talking about, this is mind control. And if you know, you and I have spoken, oh, times past about neuro-linguistic programming. Uh-huh. I see NLP written all over these press releases. I see it in the conferences. And basically, ladies and gentlemen, 
in a simplified form, they're already settling uh, or setting into place uh, pathways, neuronic pathways that will basically make you make the great leap to aliens are okay, aliens are of God. You follow what I'm saying, Tom? Oh, I not only follow it, Steve. I hope and pray that people will listen to the last 35 or 40 words that you just said. They need to memorize those. If they don't understand what you said, they need to email us. They need to do their own research, but they need to understand the point that you just made because it's one of the most powerful points that's been made in this series so far. Well, again, the thing is is that we are there, and, and uh, Tom, we're... We're like, how do I say this? We are not even on the precipice. We're on the razor's edge, and yet all this stuff is coming at us, and I think that I, I can't. Do you have a sense in your spirit? Let me just digress. Man. Don't you have a sense in your spirit of the, of what I'm saying, the overwhelming time of this whole presentation? I have it. I mean, this is the last. I, I want you to know something. These are the last two radio broadcasts that I'm doing in this series, but also these are the last two broadcasts that based on, I don't know that I'll have another broadcast, okay? But of all the things that I've done, and I've done six, 8,000 hours of broadcasting, this, everything has brought me to this point, and I'm just, I'm in awe of the living God, and I'm in awe of the timing of this, aren't you? Well, I am, Steve, and in fact, um, in a moment here, we'll take the next step. I want to tell you something that I discovered and uh, my wife and I, you know, this is on the most intimate, personal level. My wife and I having lunch today, just the two of us, and I was sharing with her what I had discovered in the book of Enoch. And her and I both have concluded that we are we are at a moment in time now where we have to take every energy we have, all of our all of our our ability, our assets, and we have to be focused um, on disseminating the right kind of information. Now that might mean through Raiders News Network, the books that we write, but that we're, but we have to accelerate now. We can't have a passive, blase, whatever approach to what we're doing. We have to be very aggressive about what we're doing now because we only have so much time left to be able to say the things that we need to be able to say to snatch as many people as we can from the clutches of deception because we have this sense that we're standing, like you said, on the razor's edge. And people who are listening to this should understand, I'm not an alarmist. I've been, I've been doing this stuff for more than 30 years. And I have never believed, Steve, when I was a pastor for 20-some years, when I was doing, you know, the, the whole Trinity uh, Broadcasting Networks, uh, 700 Club, whatever, when I was doing all that, I have never thought that I was truly on the edge. Now, I would talk about prophetic signs, and this might be pointing to the coming of Christ, whatever, but personally, I never believed that we were really at the moment in which there could come a sudden acceleration. When I say sudden, I mean you go to sleep tonight, everything's cool and dandy, you wake up tomorrow, and there's 200 million Nephilim that are crawling over the earth, that this could happen so fast that you wake up one morning, and it's, you know, do you remember the morning when you woke up and 911 had happened? Absolutely. You take that and a billion times more exotic, more frightening, more terrifying than that moment when you wake up and somebody says, oh my gosh, come here, look at television, something's happening, we don't know what it is, and people's hearts are going to fail them for fear. Now the people who are in Christ, those people you were talking about earlier who are praying or interceding or, inter or, or intervening right now and what's going on at the CERN Collider. People like that have been sealed with the seal of God in their forehead. People like this are not going to be touched 
And I want people to have courage that those who are in Christ, those who are true disciples of Christ, uh, are, are going to be able, those are the overcomers. They're going to be able to come, overcome this phenomenon. But we have an entire world that, Steve, in one instant is going to be looking to us for answers. And wow. Unfortunately, you mentioned earlier the monopolistic churches. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that, that this, um, that this series we're doing will also reach even some of those pastors who can somehow be stopped in their tracks and who will stop at least long enough to say, wait a minute, maybe, maybe we're entering into a period of time where we, we better start addressing these issues. You've seen these, you've seen these news reports, two of them in the last ten days, saying that women at unprecedented numbers are leaving the Orthodox churches to join Wicca. Yep. What this says to me is not necessarily that these women are evil. It says to me that the church has no answers. They're not, they are not addressing the issues that are important to this generation. And as soon as they do, they'll be able to reach some of these people who are saying, forget it, I don't even know, your three-point sermon just isn't doing it for me. And neither are your talks of uh, golf metaphors, you know. I know pastors <laughs> that seriously spend more time on the golf course than they do in seeking the face of the Lord. Well, listen, Steve. Um, early in this series, we were talking about the UFOs. But we also made the point, and we barely went there, and I think we ran out of time actually on this the last time, that this deception is not going to come um, just in the air. And people who perhaps might want to create a metaphor to, uh, you know, today's contemporary... Um, approach to conducting war or for that matter what's been happening you know within the country for the last few decades the war when it is strategized correctly happens in the air on the land and in the sea and under the earth well in, in the spiritual sense it also happens under the earth and 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 Steve hopefully most people are aware of the history of the giants um I want you to get right, Tom, I want you to get right into your newest finding on the Book of Enoch. Is this a good time to go there? Yes, let's go there. Okay. Um, the giants walked upon earth, and how that uh, various ancient texts tell us about the watchers, these 200 very powerful angels who left their plane of existence, and they came down to the earth in the days of Jared, and they took women and animals through which they produced this unearthly offspring called Nephilim or Nephilim, uh, the giants, and how that eventually that sin um, against God's divine order led to the judgment of the flood. Some people may also be aware that Enoch, um, an ancient prophet whose books are quoted in the Bible, in fact whose books were once part of the Bible, but that's another show, how that Enoch's books provide great detail about the history and activity involving the sin of these watchers and their offspring, the giants, what they did, why they did it. Um, and lastly, there are a few out there, I would suppose, who have paid close enough attention to the records, who also know that when the watchers and the giants were judged at the time of the flood, according to Enoch, at the time of the flood, um, that they were placed inside the hills and mountains of the earth. That's what Enoch says. 
They were buried beneath the hills and the mountains of the earth until, he says, the day that they are judged. But the interesting point is he also talks about others who will be released for a moment in time, at a specific time, who are going to be used for judgment. So now, um, on the idea that the watchers and the giants are inside the earth right now, for those who are listening, First of all, Enoch says specifically that Raphael, who was one of the, is a name he gave to one of the, the angels of God, that he put the fallen angel Azazel, you know him? Yep. Into chains. And, uh, but he says he put him in a pit of sharp pointed stones in, uh, the desert Dudael. Now, <clears throat> nobody knows where that desert is exactly, but that it does say in some text that there is a cave opening there. In fact, if you if you try to look this up like at you know Google or Yahoo or whatever, you'll run into many many different texts talking about the cave of Dudael. Well, anyway, that's where Azazel was put, and uh, he was and so Raphael covered him there with darkness. In other words, he closed up the cave opening. He buried it with a bunch of rocks or whatever. And, 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 and Enoch says that he is going to remain there until the day of judgment when he is going to be thrown into a fiery pit of hell and, uh, of uh, judgment and the earth, uh, will be healed of the corruption that he and those who were with him contrived upon the earth. Uh, one of the little interesting side notes, I won't spend any time on this, but the Jews, you know, they actually believe that Azazel uh, he remains there in that cave, but the, he's actually a demon, you know, and he receives the scapegoat that's burdened with Israel's sin when it's pushed over the cliff. Did you know that? Yep, I read that one time. Um, well, in, in, anyway, following Azazel, being placed inside the earth, inside the cave there that's at Dudale, um, the others who participated with him and also their offspring, the Nephilim. Um, Enoch says that they were bound. We talked the other day about the magic kasetot. He says that they're bound, they're pinned down under the hills of the earth. That's exactly what uh, Enoch says. That's an exact quote. Under the hills of the earth. In fact, the rest of that verse says, where they will remain for 70 generations until the day of judgment, end quote. Now, Steve, this is where things start getting really interesting. And, and astonishingly, as many times as I had read this text, I never saw this until this week, and I emailed you and I said, Steve, I have found something astonishing, and I, and I, and I triple-checked myself on this to make sure uh, that I was correct. Many people mistakenly believe that all of the spirits of these giants went into everlasting chains of judgment never to be released again, right? Right. Not only is that not what the Bible says, it's also not what the apocryphal pseudepigraphist says. For right. instance, in the book of Jubilees, chapter 10, verses 7 through 12, it talks about the malignant evil ones. These are the spirits. If you read the whole text, this is very clear. Sure, and those are the ones Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6, too. That's exactly right. These are the spirits of the Nephilim who were destroyed in the flood. He says they were bound in the place of condemnation. Now, this is 
this is interesting to me. There is a place, and it is the place called condemnation. It's a specific place. It's a specific location. They were bound there. Then uh, Jubilees goes on. But a tenth part of them are left, that they might be subject before Satan, listen, on earth. And now Jubilees goes on. These will be for corruption and leading astray men before Satan's judgment, end quote. That's the book of Jubilees, 10, 7 through 12. So there is a specific place of condemnation where they've been found, a tenth of them are going to be loosed before Satan is judged. They're going to be loosed on the earth, and their purpose is for corruption and destruction and the leading astray of mankind before Satan is judged. Now, I want to read one other text that I think is that corresponds to this. Enoch 15.9 says, The spirits of the Nephilim are as clouds which shall oppress, corrupt, fall, and bruise upon earth. Now, listen to this. They shall be concealed and shall not rise up against the sons of men until they come forth during the days of slaughter and destruction. Enoch 15.9. Well, Steve, obviously, the days of slaughter and destruction haven't occurred yet. They're still concealed. And Enoch is a prophet of truth, given uh, the fact that the New Testament writers quote him. I'm assuming they believed he was a prophet of truth. Right, and, and, and the Bible does record that he was not because he walked with God and God took him. And, and you and I both know, Tom, and this is something people need to understand. The book of Enoch is referred to in the New Testament. It's There are references in the Old Testament. And Enoch is not, um, how should I say this, he's in a category of only two men in the history of the world that have never died, he and Elijah, which, you know, should probably say, okay, God is holding him out or is giving him something. As you know, we only have a few of the books of Enoch versus the entire works of Enoch. Yeah, that's right. And it's stated, ladies and gentlemen, that Enoch had, uh, what, 365 volumes? Yeah, well, listen, hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, because I want to show you something. I would, uh, since I've never read this before, Steve, I doubt that most people, maybe nobody, who's listening to this program has ever seen this before. When, when the book of Enoch says that these things are being concealed, and they shall not rise up against the Son of Man until they come forth during the days of slaughter and destruction, Enoch 15.9. Um, when is this day of judgment? When, when are the giants going to be released from their concealed, hidden places inside the mountains and below the earth's soils to bring slaughter and judgment upon earth? Steve, did, have you, did you see recently... Um, the research on um, and the television special called Mega Disasters Killer Comets? Yes. Okay. And so you know that it offered... Now, these weren't religious programs, but they were offering scientific evidence for the flood of the Old Testament. Now, they, you know, because they're secularists, they don't buy the idea that it was a, a divine thing. You know, they're thinking a big comet or whatever created it. But... but um, but setting the, aside the fact that they don't approach this from a religious point of view, their science makes this very strong case for a devastating flood of biblical proportions 
which they say happened at approximately the year 2892, or to round it off, 2900. What struck me about these reports, Steve, was that this same dating, the year 2800 to 2900 years before Christ, that's been emerging in scholarship in recent years. And people can look this up. They'll find dozens of scholars who believe that 2800 to 2900 years ago is the likely time of the biblical flood. You'll also find scholars who say that's probably the time when the zodiacs were created. But more importantly, you'll also find that that's uh, the time when most people believe Enoch, who wrote his apocryphal books and visions, lived. So scholars and scientists both now support the Great Flood and the life of Enoch dating of approximately 2900 B.C. Steve, the reason why this could be extraordinarily important is that Enoch said in Enoch chapter 10 that the sons of the watchers, the giant Nephilim, those who were physically killed in the flood, that they would be buried, actually bound or binded in the hills of the earth, the text says, beneath the hills of the earth, contained inside the mountains of the earth. Now listen, this is what he says. He says that they would be bound there for 70 generations before they are released to come forth for judgment. Now, I, see where, I see where you're going. Now, now, some people say that a biblical generation is 40 years, and some people say that a biblical generation is 70 years, and both are right because it depends on the context within which they're interpreting that. But guess what, Steve? Enoch's is at 70 years, and 70 generations is his prophecy of 70 years equals 4,900. 70 times 70 is 4,900 years forward from the time of the flood, because he said that from the time of the flood, when they were destroyed, they would, they would remain inside the earth for 70 generations, which the scientists and scholars now are saying occurred approximately 2892 B.C. Steve, if you add, this just came to me this week. If you add 2892 B.C., to the year 2008 A.D., it equals exactly 4,900 total years from the time of the flood forward. Or another way of saying this is that Enoch's prediction about the release date for those who were imprisoned in the earth at the time of the flood brings us to the year A.D. 2008 exactly today. Now. Whoa, Tom. Whoa. And I mean, literally, whoa. If that is, and I, I've never seen that. And again, you just blew my mind. Thank you. <laughs> I mean that genuinely. Thank you. Well, I had never seen it before either. And I read this story. And here are these scientists saying that the flood occurred at approximately 29, um, uh, eight, uh, 2892, excuse me, B.C. And I went and did some research and found that many of the Bible, the, the Bible scholars today are agreeing to approximately that time, between 2800 and 2900 B.C. And, uh, you know, the dating systems, of course, would not be perfect. At best, they are estimates, but they are close estimates. And what people need to understand is what this means is that we are now at the exact timing of Enoch's prophecy concerning when he says 
after 70 generations from the time of the flood forwarded 70 years per generation. We are at the year 2008. This absolutely blew me away this week. I came across this. I checked it two or three times sideways, backward and forward. I emailed David Flynn. I emailed different people. I said, have I just seen what I think I have seen? And everybody emailed me back and said, exactly, you are right. We've never seen this before. And what it means, Steve, is that even if these estimates are off by a few years one way or the other, the bottom line is in any estimate, Enoch's prediction about a swarm of these giants coming forth for judgment harmonizes perfectly with what we've been talking about. It harmonizes perfectly with Isaiah's prophecies about us being in Iraq, Iran, and other prophecies. And, and, and what could be quite disturbing about what we're talking about now, to say the least, especially for people who are going blindly along with no sense whatsoever concerning the possibility God help us of a sudden eruption of supernatural entities in the air on earth and beneath the sea. Um, I, you know, I wrote this book, Nephilim Stargates. It's a study on um, the fact that various forces can come through gateways of the sky, sea, and earth. But, Steve, more important than that, these things are also prophesied specifically not just to generally be able to do so, specifically to come through in mass at the end of time. This whole prophecy that we talked about from Enoch, Isaiah 13, 1 through 3, I give command, open the gates, you ruler, I give command and bring them. Giants are coming to fulfill my wrath. And, and for whatever reason, this week, the Lord opened my eyes and I saw this text in Enoch. And you know, it's amazing how you can read these texts and you read past them and all these dates and numbers and times, you know, you just read past them. You don't even think about it. But for whatever reason, this television series, Mega Disaster Killer Comets, and that whole dating about 2892 B.C. being the flood, and I went and checked and made sure that biblical scholars also agree to that date, and then the light went on. Enoch said 70 generations from the time of the flood, which is 4,900 years forward, which brings us exactly to the year 2008. Now, he might be off by a little bit. I mean, the, the, our, our estimates about when the flood might be off by a little bit, but I don't know how far they are off. Well, can I tell you something, Tom, and just to go along with this, and again, because these are the last shows we're doing, I can tell you point blank from the individuals that are equal to some of your best sources in rank, that uh, the number they throw around conservatively is 200 to 300 million of these entities. And they told me, they said that, uh, and, and, and look, whether people believe this or not, I don't care. We, we are going to give account to the Lord Jesus Christ for what we're saying to people, and I'm walking in the fear of the Lord with you as we're giving this series. But the point that I think people need to understand is Jesus was talking about this, and he said there's never been a time like this, nor would be again. And we know that obviously the times of the giants, we can read the, the passage we've got in, and we can read the pseudepigraphal works of Enoch and Ezra and all the other, you know, jubilees, etc. But the thing is, is that what you're just giving everybody is this, time's up. And they call it, by the way, they call it the gathering and the release, okay? And that'll bring us into the second hour. We'll talk about the, the black awakening. Because I think that, ladies and gentlemen, let me make this clear to you. We are talking about we're there. 
And whether it's the Hadron Super Collider or the various gates that are being opened by the uh, all of the nuclear uh, anomalies, nuclear plant anomalies, using a great deal of power, etc., there comes a time when this stuff gets released. And Tom, it's literally, it's literally uh, been told to me by people that are, I just tell you this, equal to the ranks of uh, your, you know, some of your friends, etc. The bottom line is, is that these things know the time of their release is coming, and they're incredibly agitated. Yes. Now, I maintain this, that if God sealed them, or Enoch sealed them, and obviously Solomon sealed them, with a, and I don't want to get into the occult, but there really was a ring of Solomon, okay? There really was Solomon's ring. And the thing is, is that these things know it. It's only natural that to the degree that physical matter uh, deals with the spiritual force or the Casimir effect or however that plays on, that you would have earth changes. You would have really, uh, I would say, the severe disruptions, not only in consciousness, but also perception. So this is, i, I got to tell you something, I think God just gave you uh, one of the most amazing revelations, I think, that is, this is a mind-blower. This is a mind-blower. We don't have to know, quote, that, uh, we do, in essence, people don't have to worry about waiting for 2012. It's coming really soon. Well, and even if the even if the time frame is off a little bit, maybe it's going to happen in the middle of, of 2012. I don't know, but I will tell you this: th- this was not something that I've ever read anywhere. And do you and you know I've been a, a an ardent student of prophecy. Right, for, and I've never I've never read it, heard it, and the thought never entered into my mind. Uh, it, it, it it just jumped out at me when I saw it. I thought I've got to make sure this is correct. It just came to me from out of nowhere. And, and this was part of what I sat down and talked with my wife about today. And I said, I have, I have checked this. I've double-checked this. I know that I am correct. And uh, so let's imagine that these dates are off. Let's imagine they're off by two or three years. What difference would it make? It means that we are on the if, – if Enoch was truly a prophet, um, and I believe that he was – and I and actually believe that in God's own providence, that's why Peter and Jude quote him in the New Testament to substantiate the fact that regardless of what institutions may have done by removing his prophecies from the Bible, that he is in fact he was in fact and is in fact a true prophet. And so now substantiating when the flood occurred, scientists not you know so people who are listening to this can understand that we're not just talking about faith and we're not just talking about in, interpreting uh in terms of theology um you know what some of our own you know leading professors who have doctorates in divinity or whatever are telling us about when the great flood occurred we're talking about scientists and they are dating this now between the year 2800 and 2900 which means that we either right now are on borrowed time or that any day now, Steve, if if Enoch was a prophet, the gates are going to be open, and there are going to be untold numbers of these things unleashed upon Earth once again. And i got to tell you something. For what it's worth, both Enoch and Elijah, in my opinion, and I'm not sharing this because I'm trying to be controversial, but in my opinion, they're already on Earth, and you know this from the book of Revelation, they will be the one to contest with the Antichrist. But based on what you're saying now, Tom, it's only fitting that Enoch was given the ability, as you know, to bind these things. And by the grace of God, he and Elijah will be given authority over those things. And I don't know how that plays into, you know, where we're going to go in the second hour about what true believers can do and expect. But have you ever put into the context that if 
as Enoch, in my opinion, I think you think this too, is the, uh, one of the two witnesses, and the power that God gave him and the knowledge that God gave him, he will be critical, as will uh, the prophet Elijah in these last days. I'm talking about the real ones. I'm not talking well, about Well, and, 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 and Steve, think about this. It was Enoch and Elijah. So it's Enoch who gives us a prophecy that 70 generations times 70 years, which is a generation, 70 generations are going to expire from the time of the flood, uh, and uh, these beings are going to be contained within the earth, according to uh, Enoch, for 70 generations. Then they're going to be released. Part of them are going to be released upon the earth to be used in terms of judgment before Satan himself is judged. It's Enoch who makes that prophecy. It's Isaiah who tells us that at a time when Iraq, Babylon is invaded, and then after that destroyed, that God is going to open a gateway. So we're talking about two prophets who are telling us something that, Steve, I can't help but believe is I'm looking at the earth today, and all of the other prophecies that are occurring on earth today, uh, I mean, I get, a, I get a cold chill up my spine. I think, we're, I think we're, we are watching the unfolding of biblical prophecy. Absolutely, and in a context that, quite candidly, all of the books that have been written from a dispensational standpoint have completely missed, in my opinion, the reality of the times we live in. Do you ever, Tom, sit back as you're talking with your wife and say, look at where everyone before us has gone in the realm of prophecy, but look at where we're at. You follow me? Does it yeah, not blow yeah. your mind? I, I, it would have to be almost like a, a contextual jarring in the context of those old cartoons where they hit the uh, cat's head with symbols or something, you know? <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I can relate to is, you know, one of those um, Tom and Jerry cartoons, but doesn't that get to you? Yeah, I mean, you know... Uh, how, how far are we from the... the... Uh, we're, we're about a minute and a half away, and we're going to take our break at about four minutes after, and then we're going to basically go to the second uh, 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 you know, hour, and we'll get into that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, let me just encapsulate this and put into context. We'll take our break and come right back on, and, and uh, we won't go through the whole music. We'll just do a couple of minutes, uh, you know, maybe 30 seconds of the intro music, because I don't want to lose any time, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, what Tom Horn has just given you is a supernatural view by the grace of God through the mercy and intervention, I believe, of the spirit of revelation, the Holy Spirit of revelation, into what you can expect. I'd encourage each and every one of you who's a believer to take this to the Lord, because what you're getting is rhema. This is not just, quote, somebody says this, oh, boy, I don't know why these guys are talking about this. Your very lives depend upon getting right with the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you that don't know Jesus, this is an opportunity to look at the times. These are things that no one's trying to manipulate you. We're not trying to shove anything down your throat. But this is a revelation. And all the study I've done and everything I peered, looked into all the ancient revelation, this revelation that God gave to Tom Horn was specific for this time, for this broadcast. And I'm blown away by the majesty, the wonder, and the mercy of God. You're listening to the Q Files. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back to get immediately into the second part of this last of the series. Stay tuned. This is the reality. 